0: You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Stroke is a leading cause of adult disability. Stroke induces axonal sprouting and neurogenesis, this much we know. Controversy about neural repair persists. Where in the brain do these axons sprout? How does this affect post-stroke recovery or lack thereof? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt of Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, Idaho, your host, and with me today is Dr. Tom Carmichael. Dr. Carmichael is Associate Professor in the Department of Neurology at the UCLA School of Medicine. He's also attending physician on the UCLA Stroke Service and the UCLA Neuro-Rehabilitation Service and Program Director for the Adelson Program in Neural Repair and Recovery. Dr. Carmichael is a member of the editorial boards of the Journal of Neurorehabilitation and Neural Repair and the Journal of Neurodegeneration and Regeneration. Welcome to ReachMD.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Dr. Carmichael, what happens in the early stages after stroke?
1: Well, we know that there's a transition period so that when stroke first occurs and we have cell death and damage in the brain, At the same time, there appear to be both molecular and cellular signals that initiate some of the early phases of repair and recovery. And so as clinicians and also as neurorehabilitation specialists, we're starting to conceive of the process of repair and recovery as occurring further forward in the stroke continuum than we did before. We used to think of stroke as a a time of cell death in which patients were worked up for their causes. Secondary measures were put in place like aspirin or other antiplatelet agents, and then they went off to a rehab hospital. And we now think that as we think about therapies, we have to consider earlier stages in stroke in which to begin to repair the brain. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, do you see different patterns in those that have a good recovery from their strokes?
1: Yeah. Basically, the early studies have surprisingly, even in the era of modern imaging, still held up. And so, It's somewhat simple-minded but true that the larger your initial deficits are, the least likely you are to recover and the slower that recovery process is. So if a person comes in with difficulty moving a side of their body, difficulty sensing that side, and also difficulty with vision or attention, they have the worst prognosis, the worst recovery, and the slowest recovery. Somebody with only a sensory or a motor deficit recovers much more quickly, and When you see patients over time, you can start to get a sense in about the first two weeks who's going to recover function well, particularly in the arm. So if somebody is able to start to use their arm, move their wrist even slightly within the first two weeks, that usually indicates they're going to get meaningful recovery in that.
0: So those that do better, do better.
1: Right. Uh, Even with modern imaging where we could theoretically relate it to precise measures of stroke size, that still holds.
0: Let's focus on axonal sprouting. What, What happens where?
1: Well, axonal sprouting in some of the limited studies in humans and in the extensive literature in animal models of stroke appears to occur in the tissue adjacent to the stroke site and in regions that connect with that tissue. And so there are some signals that occur as a result of the stroke that tell adult neurons to grow a limited number of new connections. And it seems to occur in proximity to the stroke itself.
0: Okay. Now, is there a favorable environment for this axonal sprouting?
1: There have been some limited studies in humans that might help us here, and these come from Edward Taub and other studies that indicate that activity patterns, particularly behavioral overuse of an affected function, may enhance the recovery. We know that well clinically from many studies, but it may also enhance remapping of brain functions and sprouting that perhaps underlies that. And so we know as human and other brains develop, patterned behavioral activity helps the brain wire initially. And now it's looking like also patterned behavioral activity, such as during rehabilitation, may stimulate the rewiring that occurs after stroke. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on this, but it's beginning to emerge as a general principle that if you force overuse or you enhance behavioral use of an effective function in stroke, you can promote recovery and some of the early data looks like that may work through potentiating neuronal plasticity and sprouting.
0: So, again, speaking to the, the importance of getting people into neuro rehab right away.
1: Right, yeah, because it's also clear from the opposite, that if you deprive somebody, you can really impair recovery, and you can even reinstitute deficits by taking somebody, for example, who has made a decent recovery, and then if they get systemically very ill and bed-bound, they will have to relearn many of their recovery patterns all over again. They lose them.
0: Sounds like good evidence to share with insurance companies when we're trying to keep people their benefits for rehab, huh?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we uh, on the neurorehab service are constantly knocking heads in that regard.
0: I bet. Now, in addition to the axonal sprouting, there's also angiogenesis, right?
1: Right. Well, this is a really exciting end of the business because it starts to suggest that there may be an environment for neural repair after stroke. Clearly, over the past 25 years, we've developed a good understanding of the environment of cell death and how neurons initially become overexcited and die. What we're now understanding is that angiogenesis may be part of a local environment adjacent to the stroke site that stimulates neural repair and recovery, not necessarily by bringing enhanced blood flow because that occur, it occurs too late for the initial stroke. The damage has already happened. But blood vessels that are growing and and forming new networks release growth factors and support through cell contact young neurons that have migrated into the area. And so it may be possible to stimulate this environment as a whole to promote repair and recovery.
0: Do we have any way to stimulate that? Can we zap it with electricity or or give medicines that might help with that?
1: Both those are on, on the table right now. As you may know, there was a clinical trial to look at Stimulating the tissue around a stroke with electrodes right above the dura. That failed, and there may have been some reason for that. But in a larger perspective, medicines that enhance angiogenesis may lead to essentially a a strut, a framework within the brain that could support neurogenesis and perhaps even axonal sprouting. And so there is a lot of work on pro-angiogenic drugs and thinking about how to stimulate that. The problem with this in general as it relates to neural repair is that you don't want to stimulate angiogenesis systemically. We all know that we develop cancers and get rid of them over time with age. And if we were to give a period of pro-angiogenic factors, it's possible that somebody with a little nascent prostate cancer or a smoker with a small tumor in the lung would experience an explosion in that regard. We have to find a way to focus the therapy, although we're starting to understand at least which kind of therapy to deliver.
0: Now, if you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Tom Carmichael. We are discussing what happens in the brain following stroke. Dr. Carmichael, where does neurogenesis fit in?
1: Well, this is really a fascinating area. I think just even the biology is very interesting. The idea that there could be new neurons developing in the adult brain after injury and that they might even migrate to an area of injury is is still fairly remarkable. Uh, It's clearly demonstrated in experimental animal models of stroke. There's three or four papers in humans that suggest that it could be occurring there. We have a lot of work to do to really prove that, but if we take it at face value, it appears that it may also occur in humans. And so it indicates that stroke somehow stimulates the formation of immature neurons to migrate to areas of damage. And to answer your question directly, where does that fit? Right now, we know that most of these newly born cells will die. And so we're not really sure what they're doing and and why they're there. In animals, they seem to correlate with recovery. And so current efforts are focused on understanding whether they go and become new circuits. And we can actually generate new circuits in the brain or do they go and somehow support neurons that might be stunned or dysfunctional and allow them to regain function and recover? We don't really know yet between those two what the possibilities are. I think most in the field are leaning towards the latter, that they will go and help support neurons, perhaps through local growth factor release.
0: Can you tell us what's the future of the research that you're doing down at UCLA?
1: Well, we have a couple of different directions we're going to try to first identify the targets, for neural repair. And that's the first phase in any new field is what targets can you meaningfully go after to promote repair. And it's clear on the side of axonal sprouting or the formation of new connections in the brain after stroke that we both have to turn neurons into a growth state. We have to deliver a growth-promoting agent. And at the same time, we have to block growth inhibitors. So we're looking at dual-function approaches where you can stimulate the growth of neurons next to the lesion, and at, and at the same time knock down things like myelin or astrocyte inhibitors so that you can allow them to grow through this inhibitory environment around the stroke. And That's one area. How do we induce reconnection in the brain after stroke? Mm-hmm. And a second area is sort of how do you link that to what you asked before in terms of angiogenesis and neurogenesis. These are ongoing. They're ongoing in the same brain area, and they're likely interacting with axonal sprouting. And so it might be useful to back up and understand how you could deliver growth factors or other small molecules that promote neurogenesis and, and have them also have an effect on axonal sprouting. Do you think we'll live to see any of this change how we practice? I think in the next, say, seven to 10 years, we'll probably have molecules that modestly stimulate recovery and possibly through through axonal sprouting neurogenesis or angiogenesis. And that will perform perform the platform for probably an explosion five years after that and how we deal with it. I think breaking the barrier is is going to be the big one. Some of these more pharmacologic problems like specific and focused drug delivery are going to be hang ups, but we'll probably get a systemic molecule probably from another source such as learning and memory function that will enhance recovery after stroke. And once we've done that, we can then build on that for more specific and focused therapies.
0: So those of us in the baby boom generation might luck out, huh?
1: We'll keep our fingers crossed and avoid diabetes.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: You bet. It was a pleasure to talk with you.
0: We've been discussing neuronal repair as well as angiogenesis following stroke with Dr. Tom Carmichael, Associate Professor in the Department of Neurology at the UCLA School of Medicine. I'm Dr. Leslie Lund. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at reachmd.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.